It's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Into hour number two of the program, we got a little breaking baseball news coming your way right now. According to Jeff Passan of ESPN, right-handed pitcher Jacob DeGrom has signed with Mike Maddox and the Texas Rangers. Five years, $185 million. I got to bring out the calculator because I'm not good with math to see what the annual average value on that. 185 divided by 5 equals out $37 million per year for Jacob deGrom to the Rangers. Deal done. It includes a conditional sixth-year option that would take the deal to 222. So if he gets the sixth year, then all of a sudden the annual average value on that contract turns to, it stays at 37, uh, full no-trade clause. That's a big deal. That is a, there's a lot of money there. $37 million per year contract over five years for Jacob DeGrom. He goes to the Texas Rangers. So he uh, heads to uh, heads to Texas. Yeah. And will he'll be pitching uh, there in the American league. So that is your, that's your news of the moment. And hopefully we have a whole lot more news like that uh, coming up next week as we get into the winter meetings. But things are happening. Again, if you've been with us from the beginning, you heard about Colton Wong, the former, now former Milwaukee Brewer and former Cardinal as well. He uh, gets traded today to the Seattle Mariners uh, in a package that includes Jesse Winker going back to Milwaukee. So far, the Brewers have not really done much of anything to. Uh, indicate that they're going to really be trying this year. It we, We're hearing rumblings that the Cubs are going to be willing to spend some money this offseason. So if things go the way that I would expect them to go, uh, my, my expectation would be that um, – Going into next season, the Cardinals are going to be the heavy favorite to win the division with the Cubs probably having the second best odds just based off what we are hearing at this point. Again, much more baseball coming up next week when we are at the baseball winter meetings. It was an interesting social media day today for Missouri. Talk about the University of Missouri and specifically uh, football. There was a report from the Action Network. I think that's where Darren Ravel works, right? Isn't that Darren Ravel? I think he works. Anyways, from the Action, like you hear the Action Network, and if you're not real connected to like different media outlets, that sounds like some sort of rinky-dink thing because it's got a dumb name, but it's 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 a reputable organization. I'll read from the, an Action Network report. The border war between Missouri and Kansas has been dormant since 2011. We're talking football specifically. The border war between Missouri and Kansas has been dormant since 2011, but there was an opportunity for the iconic rivalry to resume in the Liberty Bowl this month. There is just one problem. 
Missouri doesn't want to play Kansas, so the matchup will not happen. Industry sources told the Action Network the Jayhawks, who are making their first bowl appearance since 2008, were not opposed to playing the Tigers in a bowl. Sources say schools provide their bowl preferences, and the conferences, bowls, and schools usually come to an agreement whenever possible. It's not unusual for schools to request not playing certain opponents in the postseason, sources said. The Liberty Bowl is one of three that matches SEC against Big 12 opponents. The other two are the Sugar and Texas Bowls. Missouri and Kansas are both 6-6 six and six team. An industry source saying to the Action Network, quote, a 6-6 six and six team dictating who they don't want to play in a bowl. What a world. What a world. Unquote. So we hear that and we go, all right, that's not a great look for Missouri. That's a that, are you afraid of Kansas? You, that, that can't be it. Are you afraid of losing to Kansas in a bowl game? Like what what is going on? So that's that's the bad look. And Missouri Missouri fans were not happy. If you went to like the message boards and things like that, uh Missouri fans were not happy whatsoever. They would love to see Missouri play Kansas. So, and uh, this Brett McMurphy, by the way, is the guy who reported that he works for Action Network. Uh, McMurphy's worked for the Athletic. He's he's worked. He's he's a respected college football journalist. There's no reason to believe anything that he says is not true. Well, Missouri responded to it. So the official Missouri football Twitter account at Mizzou Football. They quote tweeted McMurphy uh, and his tweet of saying that, and they said, not true, looking forward to our bowl game versus any team. And then Eli Drinkwitz, he also uh, sent out a tweet uh, later on saying that uh, he said, ain't scared to play here, there, or anywhere. And so, so Missouri seems to be refuting this at the moment. It's a weird story, uh, and I've been I've been thinking about it all day long since since the news first came out. Why does Missouri let Let's say there's some truth here. Let's say there's just a because I don't think I, I don't believe for a second that Brett McMurphy, a a respected college football journalist, just conjured this out of the air. And just went with this report because he decided he wanted to make Missouri football fans angry today. I got. I don't believe that for a second. So there, there has to be at least there has to be at least a kernel of truth in this. And honestly, the social media reaction to this was so negative from Missouri fans. In many ways, it feels like. Missouri was like, for lack of a better term, they, that like they were bullied into switching directions on this, just with the way that they have responded. Like, when when do you ever see official team accounts respond in this kind of way? It's just, it's a very weird story, and the way it's played out, and the way it's played out on social media today is an odd thing. But it takes you back to the beginning. Let's say there's a kernel of truth here. Why would Missouri not want to play that game? Are they scared of losing to Kansas? Like, they shouldn't be scared of losing to Kansas. Kansas is not a bad team, but I, I think Missouri's better. 
even losing some of the players that they're losing in the transfer portal, you put Missouri and Kansas on a neutral field. I'm still taking Missouri. Um, I just am. So are they, when you hear they don't want to play in many ways, it feels like they're, they're afraid of them. And I don't think Missouri has any reason to be afraid of Kansas. And I, with all due respect to the recruiting ground that is the Kansas City area, Missouri can't be worried about losing to Kansas and like that having some sort of impact on what they're doing in that part of the country when it comes to recruiting. I know a lot of decisions are made. Uh, and look, they, they lost to Kansas State. They lost to Kansas State in a very one-sided game early on in the season. Maybe they don't want the optics of losing a couple games against teams that are their former conference rivals. But that being said, if they're in any of these bowls where they play against an SEC or against um, against a Big 12 opponent, then does it really matter if it's Kansas or if it's Oklahoma State or if it's Oklahoma or you know whoever it, whoever it might be coming out of the Big 12? Does it really matter? You're, you're, you're still playing against a team that you used to be conference foes with. Now, maybe it matters because your state butts up against their state and you want to show that you made the right decision all those years ago when you made the, but that's, that is so short-sighted that that I just, I can't believe for a second that anybody's having that thought. So I'm look, I'm just, what I'm doing right now is I'm just sort of talking through this because I don't see why you wouldn't want to play that game against Kansas. There's a good chance that you win that game. You might lose it. It's probably there's not as much of a difference between a Missouri and a Kansas right now than there's been in other years because to Kansas's credit, they had a nice season this year. They've got a they've kind of got an adult in the room now at their head coach position. They're a much better football program than they were two three years ago. Like that's a that's a program that's on a upward trajectory to be sure. But Missouri's still the better program. Missouri is still the better program on the football field than Kansas. And you were willing to bring back the Missouri-Kansas basketball rivalry. That's We've talked a lot on this show. I've, I've told you how much I think of what Missouri basketball is doing right now. I think Coach Gates has done a great job. I think that roster is a really exciting, fun roster. There are so many reasons to be excited about Missouri basketball right now. My expectation is that when they match up against Kansas on December 10th at Mizzou Arena, that it's going to be a very one-sided game that Kansas is going to win. I don't think Missouri is going to be able to put up put up much of a fight against Kansas. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I look forward to being wrong on that one because it's good for college basketball when Missouri and Kansas are playing basketball games that are are good and competitive and fun. But Kansas and Missouri are on two different planes right now in basketball. On football, it's a very even playing field. I just I don't and you're playing on a neutral field. You're gonna get you're gonna get fans there. You're gonna get people to show up. Give me Missouri and Kansas on the football field for the first time in a long time. People are gonna show up for it. So I, I would love to know the true story of what's going on and get all the background on this because there is at least a kernel 
there is at least a kernel of truth in this. We just don't know how much truth there is to it and uh, whether or not there is any chance that this bull matchup may end up happening. All right, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk all things Illinois basketball. As uh, Brian Barnhart, the voice of Illini football and basketball, he is set to join us in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Continuing here on a Friday night on KMOX. As always, if you want to chime in, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Illinois basketball, they've got a big one coming up tonight. Uh, the fight in Illini, they're having a really nice start to their season. They were expected to have a good season, and uh, so far, so good. They are going to uh, take on Maryland tonight. Illinois, 6-1, and one, ranked number 16 in the nation. Maryland, probably one of the biggest surprises in the country right now. They are a perfect 7-0, and oh, and they are ranked number 22 in the nation. And uh, to uh, talk all things fighting Illini athletics, we're very happy to go to the Quiver River guest line and we will welcome back on to the program he is the voice of illinois football and basketball he is brian barnhart brian thanks so much for your time as always how are you hey no problem good to be on with you again thank you uh before we get to illinois i want to ask you about the big 10 championship game coming up in indianapolis on saturday night uh michigan and purdue is this something where most big 10 people do want to see michigan to win just so the league has representation in the college football playoff Probably at the conference level, I would think so. Um, I think for a lot of fans uh, who aren't necessarily fond of Michigan, uh, they're probably pulling for Purdue. <laughs> but I'm guessing at the in the Big Ten offices, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, as far as the looking at a team that could be in the Final Four, the college football playoff, obviously you you probably want Michigan. But you know, hey, uh, it's going to be played and. And I know Blake Corr is not going to be available for Michigan, so that certainly makes a difference. And and Jeff Brom has a pretty good record against top five teams. Uh, I think he's undefeated. So uh, we'll see if Purdue can line it up and, and give it a shot. Do you like the expansion that's going to be coming to the college football playoff, and do you think that's good for Illinois? Well, I think it's yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good for college football in general. I think it's become too much. Um, and I think you, you know this. I mean, it's been the same teams over and over again. I mean, it's been, you know, Alabama's always in there. Georgia's always in there. And Ohio State's always in there. And, you know, I, I saw a, um, you know, a, 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 a schedule that what it would be this year. And, you know, and some of the matchups are pretty intriguing, you know, with Clemson in there and Tennessee in there and, and uh, some of the Tulane and, and just having the, that playoff. And, and maybe those same teams would win anyway, but I'd like to give that a shot. I think it's way overdue. And I know, things don't move very fast sometimes it seems in college athletics, but uh, I think it's about time and I'm glad it's coming up in a couple of years. All right, let's get to Illinois basketball. Huge game tonight. Maybe the biggest game in the nation. Certainly one of the biggest games in the nation as they match up against Maryland. The two teams have combined for just one loss this year. Uh, Let's go back to the last one though, because a 73 44 win against Syracuse. I realize Syracuse has issues this year. They've lost to Colgate and they've lost to Bryant, but 44 points is 44 points. How good was the Illinois defense that night? Oh, it was fantastic. And it's really what got them through uh, most of the, you know, well, the entire game, but especially in the first half. They, 
I think they took 24, 25 threes in the first half, which is what the Syracuse zone is kind of designed to feed you into is you have to make shots. And they, and they didn't make very many, but their defense was so good. Uh, and the press they were using was bothering Syracuse. And so they still had a seven-point lead at half. And then, you know, they shot it better in the second half. They got some more transition baskets. And, and uh, Syracuse, frankly, it's not one of their better teams. They're, they're in a kind of in a rebuild mode here. They lost quite a bit from last year. And I know they didn't have a great team last year either. So, uh, But it was, I think it was the defense that was the biggest key and then getting some transition baskets and hitting a few threes as the game went on. It kind of it's kind of like an iceberg. Once it broke, uh, the game was over. Sometimes when you're a really good team, a loss can actually kind of be good for you to reset. You the Illinois loses a game against a very good Virginia team. It's been just a couple games since then, but what did that performance, what did the film from that game do for this team moving forward? Well, it, it tells you a lot. I mean, you're playing two really good teams in UCLA, which you beat, uh, coming from 15 down in the second half, and then you know, Virginia, I mean, they just won at Michigan as well, uh, which is not an easy place to win. So, and they're older, and they just executed down the stretch. And I think the biggest thing you can learn from it is, okay, how Virginia executed down the stretch in the last three minutes of the game in Vegas against us is how you need to execute. And, you know, we've got fairly young players. And, you know, Virginia has guys that are 22, 23 years old, and and they've won a lot, and they just executed better. And even though Illinois was up with a minute, with uh, three minutes to go, you know they just couldn't uh, couldn't uh, get it done in the finish. And I think that was a great learning lesson for them on what you have to do, at what level you have to play at uh, to win against really good teams. And I think it'll get them ready for a game like tonight against Maryland, or um, you know in future Big Ten uh, games. Terrence Shannon Jr. has been really good, averaging about 20 a game, six rebounds per game. How much have you enjoyed watching him perform and watching him kind of assimilate into this program? Yeah, he was he was one of several guys at Texas Tech, and he's he's our go-to scorer. You know, if we need a basket, he's he's not afraid to get in there and score. He's, he's He can drive to the basket. He can shoot from outside. Uh, he tends to be somewhat streaky at times. Uh, you know, he hit eight out of nine uh, in one of the games, I think, against UCLA, and then you know, struggle the next night. If we can get him to to level that out a little bit and be consistent, and he does so many other things for you that, you know, he's like a, a turbocharger on the offense, and, and he can just uh, – he's a guy we didn't have last year, you know, a guy that could just flat-out score like that when you absolutely have to at, at, a, at a wing spot or, you know, at a forward spot, and, and he's just uh, – he's tough to guard. Brian Barnhart, the voice of Illinois Athletics, continuing to uh, join us. I had Coach Underwood on the show maybe a couple weeks ago, and I asked him about the challenges of bringing in a transfer and then that transfer becoming a huge part right away of the program. And he mentioned just kind of the challenges of the terminology. You do something that was called one thing at one place, and now all of a sudden it's called something different at another place. It doesn't seem like, though, that there's been any issues. It seems like he's just been fine walking in. Yeah, no, he's adapted really quickly. And, you know, we've seen him do that. And it's taken a little longer for, like, Matt Meyer, uh, who transferred in from Baylor. You know, uh, he was kind of caught between, um, you know, leaving Baylor and then coming here. And he was, you know, had to come in late. And, you know, he was a little bit out of shape and, and then put on some weight. And so he had to get his conditioning back. And he had some back issues. And and uh, and then learning new terminology and learning, okay, we do this here at Illinois. We You used to do that at Baylor. We do it different. And so part of that process you're talking about, he's been going through, but he's been coming on. They had a great practice today and 
and hopefully can have a great game tonight and going forward because I think he takes us to another level. All right, let's get to tonight's game. Illinois 6-1, and ranked number 16. Maryland undefeated at 7-0. They're ranked number 22. Uh, talking with people around the program, what are the keys for Illinois tonight to come away with the victory? Well, rebounding's the key. Uh, Reese inside for Maryland. He's, he's a horse on the boards. He, he, he cleans up a lot. Dante Scott has been a thorn in our side. Uh, for the last uh, two to three years, he's uh, we, we've got to do a, a better job on him. But I think rebounding is the biggest key, and that's something that Brad Underwood's not totally happy with yet is our offensive rebounding and or rebounding in general. Uh, you know, Kofi Coburn would just routinely grab 10, 12, 14 rebounds, and that's got to come from somewhere else, and it's got to be a team rebounding effort. So I think rebounding is the key. It's interesting stylistically and statistically both, Maryland is a lot like us, uh, the way they play, the tempo, the pace. Um, you know, obviously, I think cutting down on turnovers, we did a better job of that uh, in the last game with Syracuse. And if they can do that again and, and not be disrupted by the pressure that Maryland will apply to us, um, I think Illinois will be in good shape. But it's a what a test. Uh, what a way to start the, the Big Ten season against the Maryland team. That I don't think anybody knew what to expect with a new coach and Kevin Willard and two or three transfers and a couple of returnees and blending them together. And they, of course, had a big win over St. Louis and a, a win over Miami of Florida, and and they played well. So you got what combined one loss between the two teams. That's a great way to start the, the Big Ten season. Do you like the fact that there's kind of these two random Big Ten games that are were kind of interdispersed within the non-conference before you jump into conference play full bore? Yeah, I think so. I like it, and uh, with the addition of USC and UCLA in a couple of years, that's probably going to expand even hmm. more. I would think. Um, you know, coaches may prefer to have a couple other games before you just get right into conference. But, and maybe that's why some of these uh, tournaments, like in Vegas or Maui or others, have you know very very popular because you get the chance before you get into an early conference game to, you know, play some really strong competition, give you a better idea of of where you're at. It's interesting in this one that we don't play Maryland again this year. So this is the one and only meeting. Uh, and sometimes the meetings when you play a team in December is a lot different when you see them in February uh, because the teams have progressed so much or changed so much in that span. So I don't mind it. I like a couple early. I think it's healthy, and I think it's good uh, good for media. Uh, you know, you get that early taste of Big Ten play, and then you come back to it in January. Last question for you, the Bragg and Rights game right around the corner just a few weeks out uh, here in St. Louis. Have you kept an eye on Missouri? When the season got started, you thought that this would not be much of a game, but now all of a sudden Missouri's undefeated and they just won at Wichita. They look a lot better than anybody expected them to look. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of the same way that, you know, Maryland has been. You know, they did, nobody kind of knew what to expect. You know, a new coaching staff, you know, a new philosophy, um, you know, how's your roster put together? And, and they've played well. And, yeah, I don't think it, it matters too much. Uh, you know, rarely has there been a blowout mm-hmm. uh, in that bragging rights series, no matter what the teams are like. And I expect uh, another great game here in a few weeks. He is Brian Barnard. He is the voice of Illinois, uh, Illinois football and basketball. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Have a great call tonight, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Oh, good to be on. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Illinois in action this evening against Maryland. That game's going to get started at about 8 o'clock tonight. Big game tonight uh, in uh, the Big Ten. So we'll see how uh, Illinois is able to do. Taking their one-loss record into tonight's game. So he said he liked these Big Ten games this early. I I would respectfully disagree. And, and I, I feel this way about college football. I feel this way about college basketball. I feel more comfortable when you play all your non-conference games and then... You go into your conference and, you know, 
mid-major leagues used to have like the uh, the bracket busters where you would have a, basically a challenge between a, a couple leagues and those games would get set uh, for later in the year. And so, so I don't really include something like that, but I don't know. I feel like go play your non-conference, then go play your conference. It's only a couple non-conference games in the Big Ten in uh, December, and then they'll get into full conference play in earnest coming up in January. All right, the Blues, they are in a funk once again. They have lost four of their last five. Yesterday they fall to the Carolina Hurricanes by a 6-4 score in a game where they give up three of those six goals in a 64-second period. What to say about the Blues? Well, we'll find out what Craig Berube has to say about his team. We'll do that next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City. KMOX. About 20 minutes left to go here in this week's worth of Sports Open Lines. Again, next week we are going to be live from San Diego, at least for the first few days of next week. We'll be live from San Diego for baseball's winter meetings. And the baseball news of the day, if you are just now joining us, former Cardinal second baseman Colton Wong, he was traded away by the Brewers today. He goes to Seattle and a big, big signing today in Major League Baseball. Jacob DeGrom, a two-time Cy Young Award winner, headed south. He has agreed to a five-year, $185 million contract with the Rangers. He has the second-highest annual average value of a uh, of a contract for a pitcher in baseball behind just Max Scherzer. He is sitting just a million in front of uh, Garrett Cole in terms of uh, those contracts that have been handed out. So Jacob DeGrom going to be coached by Mike Maddox moving forward, the former Cardinals pitching coach, now the pitching coach of the Texas Rangers. Things did not go well for the St. Louis Blues last night. They lose to uh, Carolina, and just losing to Carolina, like Carolina's a really good team. That's losing that game isn't uh, isn't the headline here. It's kind of how they lost the game. They they give up six goals, and three of those six goals come in a sixty four second period. Uh, that's not good when you're giving up three goals in a minute. And that's what they did yesterday. Now they hit the road. They're going to play the Penguins tomorrow, and then they'll match up against the Rangers and the Islanders in New York before eventually getting back to St. Louis coming up next Thursday. The team did practice today. A lot going on during practice. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's start with the performance last night. Craig Berube clearly not happy with it. Uh, We all know, and like last night, we played a very good team that, uh, you know, plays a very certain style of hockey. And, um, you know, I said last night, two periods, we were right with them. Um, You know, I didn't like our second period for sure. And I thought the third period, we were playing a really good period, doing a great job, and we made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, The power play, we had a good, that was just one game, but uh, it was doing better. Well, they moved the puck around well last night yeah. and they capitalized, you know. Um, that's a bit, gets a very good penalty kill. So, again, we have the ability to do things. We have the ability to put games together and win hockey games. But we won't do it if we don't play as a team and we don't compete and we, and we don't play a lot harder for 60 minutes. To me, when the way he, he finished that off there, I, I thought that was... I thought that was notable the way he finished that off because 
he he kind of said it in a hypothetical, but at the same time, I felt like he was talking specifically about last night's game when he said, "But we won't do it if we don't play as a team and we don't compete and we we don't play a lot harder for sixty minutes." It felt like what he was saying was they didn't do any of those things last night. Uh, he did talk about the performance of the defense and what they need to do better. Well, no, you got to get stick on puck. I mean, you got to do a better job of it. You, you know, you, you asked last night, or somebody did last night, we're giving up too many shots. Yeah, because you don't get your stick on the puck. And that's the bottom line. you got to check. That's checking. Um, those pucks that go off our sticks like that, we've got to be heavier on it. If you're heavier on it, you probably you probably kill the play. That's it. So more body-wise, I guess? If, uh... Well, body too. I mean, it's a physical game. You, you know, when you're playing defense and you're checking, you got to use your body and your stick, and you got to be heavy. And we got to be a lot better at it. This is, um, I mean, we could go back to all of his press conferences when the team was in that eight-game losing streak. His tone today feels different to me. Like it's almost a yeah, the the tone during the eight game losing streak was a keep working hard, keep doing what you're doing. Things are going to turn around. This is not that. This is the team's not playing well right now, and they got to do things differently. Braden Shin was not on the ice today, dealing with an injury. We'll see. I mean, he's been um, it's been nagging on for a while now, so. Just keep him off today, and we'll see how he is tomorrow. So he is making the trip. He's just oh, yeah. 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 Same same injury that's kind of been bothering him or yeah. anything different? Okay. Yeah. Because no. it looked like his game maybe hasn't been as, no. as sharp. No, probably. You know, I don't know if maybe we shouldn't have played him, but, um, you know, he's the type of guy that wants to play. Like, so it's tough. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. He's a guy you like, I mean, because oh, he's willing to play through anything pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. They also move, make a move. They just called Jake Neighbors back up from the AHL. Well, he is headed back to Springfield. You know, discussing it with Doug and, uh, you know, there's a situation that's good for, you know, Neighbors. And it's not that he came up and played badly or anything. It's just it's just um, maybe not the best situation right now, you know. So it's, you look- it need him to go play and, and be involved. And a lot of times we're, you know, our games right now, it's hard to keep him involved. Yeah, so you have a game where he's only getting 10 minutes. Yeah, and that's not good enough. You know, he's a better player than that. Is someone going to come up for that spot? Uh, I'm not sure right now. We'll just see where we're at here. It's interesting because that was why he went down the first time, right? Like He went down when the team was in their eight-game losing streak, and he just wasn't getting much ice time. And then the team kind of turned it around and they eventually bring him back up and they have the feeling and they have the indication that they're going to be playing better and there might be some more ice time. Well, he gets back and what happens? The team goes back into a funk and there's just not a lot of ice time for him. So it's a darned if you do, darned if you don't situation right now when it comes to neighbors. He's got to be playing. He's a really good player. He's got a a very bright future in this organization. Uh, but w- what do you want that young player being around? You don't want him being around a lot of losing. You don't want him being on the bench, barely playing. So you end up sending him back down. And if they start winning again while he's back down, then you get you 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 want to bring him back up. So you just you need the team to be kind of in a good spot when he's around. If that makes any sense, uh, the team 
totally messed with the lines today. We'll see uh, what they look like tomorrow. Vladimir Tarasenko in practice. He was on a line with uh, Nathan Walker and Nolchari. Uh, there was a Barbashev uh, Pitlick line out there. The team skated with just three full lines, according to the report uh, from the post dispatch. That was because uh, Braden Shin was injured and the neighbors is gone. Uh, so they did not have everybody to go out and go through three or four whole lines, but they went with three lines and uh, stuff was moved around a bit. We'll see if they stick with that uh, tomorrow uh, when they play against Pittsburgh. But it just, to me, and I'm look, I'm not a sky is falling kind of guy, and I always put the disclaimer on this. Like I, I, do, I do believe that this team is going to be fine. I do believe that this is a playoff team. I do believe at some point in time they're going to kind of figure out and find out who they are, and they're, they're going to find some level of consistency. But right now feels like the low point of the season. That that losing streak didn't feel that way to me. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. But when they were going through that eight-game losing streak, like I always thought they were going to get things going again. I think they're going to get things going, but it's just they're in, a, they're in a bad spot right now. They play the Penguins coming up tomorrow. All right, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the program. We'll talk a little bit more baseball before we get out of here for the day. It is Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Camo X. Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Just a few minutes left in the program. Again, we'll be in San Diego on Monday for the show, live from baseball's winter meetings. Uh, when I see something really cool, I like encouraging you to read it. Would encourage you, would strongly encourage you to uh, read. It was uh, in the post-dispatch, stltoday.com. Uh, Dave Matter wrote it. It was kind of going back in time to when Gary Pinkle was hired as the Missouri football coach and former Missouri athletic director Mike Alden kind of opened up all his notes to uh, to Dave Matter and they went through everything, the entire process, everybody they talked to, how it all played out. Great, great, great article, great story, and would encourage you to read it. It kind of took me back, so... Uh, I don't know Dave Matter very well. We haven't been in the same place at the same time since I've been back here in St. Louis. But his dad was one of my teachers in high school. And I remember the day Gary Pinkle got hired, I was in high school. And I think Dave was working for the Columbia newspaper at the time. He wasn't in St. Louis yet, the younger Dave. And... um I remember talking to his dad saying, so when did you find out? When did, when did your kid tell you that uh, Pinkle was the guy? And it just kind of, it took me back to that day. It's a conversation that I, for some reason, I really remember uh, with his dad, who again was one of my high school teachers and uh, was just fun. So go read it, read it and uh, enjoy it. It's a really cool story. Uh, And this is all in front of uh, Pinkle uh, getting inducted into uh, the college football hall of fame. Uh, really interesting, uh, you know, and credit to Mike Alden for uh, opening up his notes and allowing the story to be told. I just thought of this a few moments ago. So here in the KMOX studios, we have an NBA game on right now as the Lakers and the Bucks are playing against each other. Matt Pajeski, I'm not trying to like throw you under the bus, but something just kind of uh, something hit me because I don't think you're alone in this. Uh, they they showed Darvin Ham. On the screen. And Darvin Ham is the head coach of the Lakers. And I'm thinking about like the history 
of the Lakers and the head coaches that they have had. And obviously, um, you think about Phil Jackson, you think about uh, Pat Riley, but even in recent years, Frank Vogel and, and, and Luke Walton and Mike D'Antoni, those guys were all like fairly household names for sports fans. And I made reference to Darvin Ham because they're playing in Milwaukee tonight. So they're playing the Bucks, and Ham was an assistant in Milwaukee before taking the uh, the head coach position with the Lakers. And again, I don't say this to like try to embarrass you. I think what you said, you spoke for many sports fans across the country. I made reference to Darvin Ham, and you said, "Who's that?" Right? Maybe. Yeah. Again, nothing wrong. Like. I'm telling you, I, I'm not. I'm not throwing you under the bus here. There are many, many people out there who don't know that Darvin Ham is the head coach of the Lakers, and it just got me thinking about how. And I think Darvin Ham's a heck of a coach. I think he's going to have a pretty good run uh, with the Lakers. That being said, I thought that about Luke Walton. I thought that about Mike D'Antoni. So I mean, there's. It still feels like they're playing almost in the shadow of uh, of Phil Jackson. But it just kind of hit me how. The Lakers have always been this team with these high-profile coaches, and they're they're a, if you are a casual sports fan, not in an NBA market, and somebody says to you, Darvin Ham, you have the the Matt Pajeski reaction. Who? Who's that? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the Lakers head coach. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the program. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We're back with you on Monday. Again, we are going to be live from baseball's winter meetings in San Diego right here on KMOX.